syllabus journal entry. We're back again for another report. This is the 14th entry. Thank you for coming back. So we're just going to continue to go through the process of kind of weeding through the news cycle through the current events and just we're listening to a lot of this discourse this punditry the different kind of reports that are coming out we, i mean it, it's like drinking through a fire hose we can't really listen to every single thing but we need to pay attention to a few key thinkers if you want or influencers in the culture who are willing to really be courageous and step outside the, of the line and, and talk about things that are verboten they're outside the public discourse to give us an idea of what is happening inside the milieu of the globalist elite in the world economic forum if you want this kind of like the externalization of the hierarchy the the illumination of the bilderbergers as they are they're coming out and you have to remember that prince bernhard of the netherlands is a knight of Malta. It was a knight of Malta, and he was the the one who started the Bilderberg meetings in the first place. I think it was at the Bilderberg Hotel or something like that way back in the day. And so those were like steering committee. There were like a continued yearly meeting of the of the aristocracy of the the global elite of the the, the really power players uh, of the world to kind of get together and to, as Klaus Schwab would say, we're we're here to plan the future. So that's that's the the plan here. That's I mean we're it's a continuation of the same thing that's been going on all along, and that's why we're working hard on this particular forum to remind everyone that it's a continuation of the same policies that we saw in 1815, as far as the, the Holy Alliance with Metternich, Archduke Metternich there in Austria, and he was going to get together with all the the crowned heads, getting together for the Council of Vienna to plan for the downfall of democracy and the downfall of, of America. Because you've got to remember that a republic, a democratic republic, a constitutional republic like America, built on Protestant ideals, was taking the, the slave class, the serf class, and giving them the power to rule the government through the ballot. So you've got to remember that this was a, a system that was not allowed to exist anymore by the imperialists. The czar was there, the pope was there, all the kings, right, all, all the nobility were there. And so the same thing happened as it follows in 1822. We kind of repeat this again, that they were there for the signing of the secret treaty of Verona, which is supposed to be a secret, but we found out about it. And following that, in 1825, the secret council of Cherie in Italy. And of course, there is Cherie, there's the University of Cherie there, which is a Jesuit university. But it's a continuation of this plan of, you know, of having a committee of the elite that are there to plan out what's going to happen in the world. And of course, if you follow the, the timeline and you go into the 1920s and the 1930s, you can see that it's an approximation of the planning of the concert of nations or the process of laying in leaders, decades and decades of planning to, to create leaders and to raise the future generations that would be put into place to destroy your enemies. And that's exactly what Hitler and Stalin, they were the young leaders of the future, right? That's what Hitler and Stalin were at the time. So you got to remember that ultimately Hitler was from Vienna. So it, ultimately his work of destroying Protestant Germany was totally complete. And the same thing is true with Stalin. And we have to go back in the record here and remind everyone that ultimately it was Francis Xavier who went into China first and really brought the 
the closed imperialist culture of China to heal. And so ultimately, China is going to be very impressed by their ability to, uh, their advancements in technology, their ability to predict lunar events and solar eclipses and lunar eclipses and so on and, and different events like that. So that the whole court of China and all the, the nobility in China were totally impressed with the Jesuits. So they've been working there for a long time. We're going back to the 16th and 1700s. They've been in there. So th this idea of China now being a communist state as recent as 1949, it brings us back to the whole idea of, of the, the British imperial mandate over Hong Kong. And of course, you know, the imperial mandate went on. I think it was in 1841, they were given total control over China when they went in there with their gunboats. It was the Opium Wars. And these Opium Wars were the way that they forced the, the Chinese population to be addicted to opium. And they destroyed China and they forcefully basically raped the Chinese culture. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the century of shame. The Chinese are, have this humiliation over this period where the British uh, are going to do their you know forced capitalization of the mainland of China there and, and totally control the whole system. And that's of course, if you fall back, the Russell family were involved in these kind of overseas admiralty pillaging and pirating of the Chinese people by bringing opium in, which is a powerful poisonous narcotic and taking all the silver out as they, they just kind of cracked out the uh, the Chinese people. Now that, that was history for you. And the Russell family was it, it made rich by that, those associations with the British and with that, you know, economic military war against the China, against the Chinese. And so you got to recognize that ultimately it was going to be some time later that the British are going to be given under the Peking Convention. They're going to be given another 99 years to rule China. And so in 1997, thereabouts, they, they give it back. But that's, that's after the fact that during that time, in, in 1949, China becomes a communist, a hardcore communist regime. And now they've been built up and weaponized by the traders in, in American industry and in Wall Street and in the United Nations to, to become a weapon to destroy America. And so these are the kind of planning that you can see being developed over a great, a long period of time with a, an event horizon coming due here at this great reset when our all the planning is coming together into a singularity and all the, the economic balance of the global reserve currency is going to collapse and you can see that the federal reserve note is going to devaluate and go into hyperinflation and it's the same exact thing that you saw happen in germany in the, in the weimar republic when they had hyperinflation as well. And of course, they had just come out of World War One, and they had a powerful, charismatic psychopath as, uh, uh, from, from Austria, from Vienna, no less, to come up and to steer the ship of state into the rocks and become the blasphemy on history that, we, that it's become, the whole Nazi regime, in the name of nationalism, right? So that's what Hitler would do. And of course, he was famously Roman Catholic, his family, and the people around him were ultimately imbibed with that extremism, just as we saw the men who were going to pull off the gunpowder plot. The extremism and the religious fervor of these individuals would create the Third Reich in the, in the stated goal of resurrecting the Holy Roman Empire. So this, that, that's what the Fourth Reich was. It was the fourth iteration of the Holy Roman Empire, in their words, not in mine. I'm just stating what Goebbels and Himmler and, all, Himmler and all them were saying they were trying to become another Holy Roman Empire. And of course, the Holy Roman Empire, when it was Charles V, was the Holy Roman Emperor. As a Catholic, he was ruling from Germany. He ruled the Holy Roman Empire from Germany. So that was their idea, was bringing it back to the previous state of imperialism that existed before the Protestant Reformation, before Martin Luther. Of course, Martin Luther in Worms was a German. So you have to understand this entire history. It's very simple to understand it clearly. 
and you have to go through the entire filter of the news media and you have to go through the the, the kaleidoscope of schizophrenia that you get in, in academia where you come out and your head's all shaved and you've you know you have purple tattoos and you're transgender but you don't know anything about this history and that's the struggle that we're having here in america is is staying relevant to follow the little bouncing ball long enough to understand that we are in an existential war an existential conflict for our lives because these power players the, the the knights of malta like prince bernhard who started who was the key figure starting the bilderberg meetings was really just following suit with what Archduke Metternich did in Austria, and he was just following suit with the pattern that was created before them, which was enacted by the Counter-Reformation, and that was ultimately an extension of the Council of Trent. So this doctrine of total, absolute, universal power is something that you're seeing coming out of Rome. And ultimately, we here in America have to recognize that we don't live in a vacuum and, and just, you know, you have all these narcissists nowadays who are just totally eaten up with the whole gay rights lifestyle and the Hollywood paparazzi, celebrity culture, and the hip-hop culture. All these individuals who are just drawn out into their own malignant narcissism have really just lost track of the foundation under their feet. Because in order to be this malignant Hollywood narcissist, the Nicki Minaj's of the world, God bless her heart. In order to be so vapid and vacuous and just so inane and inane, just you know, you, you know, you have to understand that you have this bubble of freedom, the, what I call the America bubble, that you live in, and none of the rest of the world is in that bubble. So this this experiment of political liberty, this experiment of individual freedom that we have here in America, as we're watching it dissolve and evaporate and decline in front of us, is something that was taken. And put into place as a model constructed in order to protect Baptists and Protestants and Presbyterians, Huguenots, people who are non-Catholics. were ex- expressly coming here, the Puritans expressly showing up here in, in the New Land, creating the, the Jamestown colony with the express purpose of really getting away from the madness and the religious tyranny and the persecution and the murder and, and the Inquisition of Rome. Right? It was taking, taking control of Britain, taking control of Spain, taking control of France. And that's ultimately the difficulty that we see is that the, the people that are the Anabaptists, the Baptists who are fleeing here to America are trying to escape for their lives so they can have their precious Bibles, so they can have the right to pursue their own faith in peace and their own lives. And that's the whole construct of the entire Constitution is to create a new world of freedom and political liberty and individual empowerment for the individual person who has the right, the right to have a defense against his overlords, right? And, 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 and to be, have an equal footing and an equal vote with those elites and rich people and so on and so forth. So the entire concept of a republic, a constitutional republic like this in America was something that was totally diametrically opposed to everything that we had seen in the divine right of kings in the past. So this entire doctrine out of the Council of Trent is what we're seeing propel the aggressors in, in 1605 and then the gunpowder plot trying to blow up King James. You can see that it's this aristocracy and this nobility and this elite power structure that Metternich is trying to reorganize and bring together in this subtle war path that we see in the Congress of Vienna. In 1815. In 1822, they secretly signed the Treaty of Rona where they're going to, it's going to really be the, pre, the precursor 
to those movements that take place right before the Civil War. You can see that the, the crowned, bejeweled money power, the banking elite of Europe had a lot to, of influence in the Civil War of what was going to happen there. So we'll, just, we'll get to that, of course, in later episodes. But the main thing here is to focus like a laser on this continuation of and the crystallization of the counter-reformation policies to secretly work covertly in every way and to commit every possible crime in order to take advantage of and to, to, to curtail the Enlightenment and the Protestant Reformation and this newfound, the, the Gutenberg printing press, which was able to publish and mass produce Bibles in such a way that everyone could start to read it and the, and the whole population could be affected instead of just one person being able to read and telling everyone else what it says. We, now we had the process of people being widely educated. It was the end of the Dark Ages. And the ending of the Dark Ages and the control, the universal power of the papacy over all the kings. We had men who would begin to resist the papacy like King Henry VIII. You might not like him, but he still understood that he didn't need to be submitted to the Pope of Rome. He started the Anglican Church. He, he saw the argument and the benefit of the Protestant Reformation, and ultimately that would lead to Queen Elizabeth, and that would lead to King James I, and that's how we would have the King James Bible. And so ultimately you can see that this conflict with Rome has been the key component and issue that has been central for some centuries in history, and, and, and was central in the development of, of American history and the American, uh, the American nation, the American Republic, was developed as an antithesis of the religious dictatorship of the papacy. All right? And, and the men they're there to it's not just the Pope running around and having to command everyone what to do he has a whole army of men who make sure that everything is done right and prepared for him wherever he goes he's a king he's a king under law he's a monarch he's a sovereign he's on the equal footing with Queen Elizabeth in fact he's even a papal king a king of the Holy Roman Church so in many in many ways obviously he's higher than Queen Elizabeth because he's not just a, 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 you know a terrestrial king but he's a spiritual sovereign. And ultimately, his process of becoming a universal monarch is being restored by those men. And he has knights, like we talked about many times in this episode, knighthood orders who are papal knights who are totally dedicated to serve the, the Pope and not just go around and, and preach good tidings of cheer and ministry and gospel to people, but they're there to get out the sword, which is the main thing they carry, which makes them like Freemasons because Freemasons carry a blade, they wear their apron, they have their tools, right? They have their secret oaths, but they're there also as a military fighter, as a knight. Ultimately, you see that with the Knights of Columbus, same thing. Same thing with the, the Islamic orders. They always show up and they have their little Islamic scimitar. They're always ready to behead the infidel everywhere they go. So you have to understand this military aspect, the sovereign military aspect of the papacy, of the Vatican. They have their Zwab, the Zwab guards that march around. They always have their yellow and purple colors and their feathery they wear the old school medieval armor and have the lances right they march around in front of the vatican well that's that, that's no joke that's those are serious swedish military uh, forces and they've been sworn to protect the pope so the whole point of this is that the pope represents a temporal king and a military governor as well so we have to recognize that this this thing that's happening between the ukraine and russia it's during this period when when you know the pope goes in and does a special blessing and a special anointing for Ukraine and 
and for Russia, and then not, not too long after that, suddenly there's this huge war taking place. And then you look at the, uh, the connections with the World Economic Forum, with Putin and, and Zelensky. They're both puppets. I mean, they're both men who have been schooled in the same places, and it seems like they're just playing their part. And so this is the kind of concert of nations. This is the kind of intricate, well-placed instrumentality that you can see at work through, like, look at the Georgetown University. And so in this episode, we, we have this wide range of world history to cover. And world history takes on every possible metric and index, every possible method of measuring and, and um, every possible ounce of information that we can get to kind of piece together the whole picture of what's really taking place here. And like we said, when it comes to world history, you have to pay attention to the subversion of the Vatican within systems of power and government. And even, even if you go back to Napoleon, he was in the triumvirate, which was the, the rulership of the three. And Abbey Saez was on the triumvirate with Napoleon. And of course, Abbey Saez was a famous Jesuit. So you have to recognize the right in the ruling cabinet, the, the chamber of power uh, dealing with Napoleon was a member of the Jesuit order. So you have to, if you don't know these aspects of history, even like with the guillotine in France, if you don't know the connection with the, the man, guillotine, who invented the guillotine, and the fact that he, who, who, you know, that he was going to school at a Jesuit university and that he was educated by them and was part of their, their system of systematic theology where you could explain away murder and lying and, and you could kill the king because you had a systematic theological explanation because you were really serving God because he was a bad king and God wants him removed. And now, you know, so by killing the king, you're doing God a service. I mean, these are the kind of irrational, twisted, tortured logic that you get when you deal with the Jesuits. But ultimately, guillotine was a man associated with them. And ultimately, his device was used to kill a lot of people in the French Revolution. And same thing if you go back and look at the Jacobins. We did the episodes on that. The Jacobins were, were a secret club who were meeting together at a Jesuit novitiate, um, a famous one, one that actually uh, Ignatius Loyola actually spent time at, apparently, and he's the famous celebrity hero of the Jesuit order, the founder there. So if the Jacobins are, are meeting at a novitiate hall that was a place where Ignatius Loyola went, then you can see that there are the ties there to that system of, of clandestine subversive provocateurs, right? That's that's what you're dealing with. So we're here to really open up the occult annals of history and the chronology of this, of this where, by which we here in America have the right to read and to learn these facets of history and to know what they mean and to be able to make the right choices based on having a clear and salient perspective on world history. So as we're going forward, we're just going to just bring a few of these discussions forward and you know we were discussing the opium wars with, with china and ultimately russell there william russell his whole family was was there shipping in the opium and later on he would go to germany for a field trip while he was at yale and he would come back from germany having um visited at the time near uh, hegel william friedrich hegel's Funeral. Hegel is a famous Illuminatist. He was said to have been the head of the Illuminati after Adam Weishaupt, secretly in Germany, of course. So this is an important figure who dies in 1832. And of course, right around that time, William Russell is going to show up there and he's going to come back with this new platform, this new 
initiation into absolute power, and it was Skull and Bones, right, at Yale. So Skull and Bones at Yale ultimately stems from this desire, the ultramontane, religious, radical, the zealots of the Jesuits, of the papacy, and of the aristocracy and the nobility and the old system before America. So these guys are imperialists, Hegel is, and he's ultimately going to be with the nobility and desiring to have a king, a sovereign, a monarch in place, famously. So these are monarchists. These are not people that are interested in the rights of the people or in democracy or in every little guy, even the butcher down the street having a vote in the election. They're, they just want the, no, the noble bloodline, the ancient noble bloodline, the right, rightful king to come in and, and chop off heads and, and to make other people rich and to, to, you know, just to take total dominion and total dictatorship over the government. Of course, we abhor the banality of a profane human kingdom. Of course, we love the kingdom of Jesus Christ that is coming because we're good Christian Protestant men. But these kings here on the earth are, are really just wretches and papists. They're popers. They're, they're here just to do the, uh, the will of uh, the Pope and, uh, and serve their knights and to do whatever they're told and to take away religious liberty. Well, religious liberty is the thing we need in America to be who we are. That's something we saw attacked by the World Health Organization over this whole COVID epidemic. Churches were shuttered. People weren't allowed to, to do their religious services anymore, right? The only thing that mattered was the cultural relativism of medical science. And everyone had to listen to the medical scientist sorcerers as they came out and prognosticated and told us all how it is, how science is, how it should be, and your churches are shuttered. And so you can see in my, my way of looking at this, it's just the continuation of the Counter-Reformation the continuation of the Council of Trent and the Congress of Vienna and the whole process of twisting, inserting manipulative, you know, clandestine means of inserting the Manchurian candidate into place. You take the guy, the, the, the guy from Vienna who is going to be able to serve your purpose and you put him to place and he gets brought into power by Franz von Papen. <laughs> That's how Hitler got into power is through Franz von Papen. Franz von Papen, a knight of Malta, supposedly trusted a prince, like a like a you know like a duke or something, right? He's a nobility. He's like Archduke von Papen or something, right? And he brings in Herr Hitler, and he brings him in to become the chancellor just for a few short years, mind you. He's a good guy; you can trust him. And of course, they bring in the Manchurian candidate, and same thing with Stalin gets placed in there. He runs all the. Uh, the Bolsheviks, who they brought in from like Trotsky and Lenin, all they got the New Yorkers that they brought in, right? They, they brought them across the ocean, the New Yorkers, the professional Antifa radicals, they brought them in to uh, help overthrow the Tsar. And when they're done with them, they, they run them off and kill them off, and they bring in their, their real guy, their, you know, their, their, the man of steel, Stalin. He comes in, and, and ultimately you see this concert of nations, you see this program that was laid out in 1815 in the Holy Alliance, right? This process of destroying Russia and France and America and England and just, just depleting their manhood in this senseless war, that's what the purpose was. The purpose was to bring about a destruction of their enemies by bringing them into war with one another. So ultimately, this process of you know, France having the Edict of Nantes and this rebellious king, Henry VIII, and you have America, this Protestant Republic, and you have Germany, the, the place where the Protestant Reformation was born from Luther. 
And you have Russia, right? Ultimately, you have to recognize that Tsar Alexander had kicked out the Jesuits. And we'll go in, we're going to do an episode on that, of how the, there was a Tsar before Tsar Nicholas who uh, recognized the dangers of having the Jesuits in their country and having these Romanists running around manipulating politics and, and interfering with the affairs of the state. So, of course, Tsar Alexander is going to have them cast out. And this is, these are the reasons why, the punitive reasons why, you know, decades and decades later, the, the new generation of Jesuit novitiates who are brought up are going to remember and be taught to remember and to pay back these who rebelled against the papacy, rebelled against the, the command of the Council of Trent that, that all heretics should be burned at the stake, right? That's the doctrine. So as we get up to this newer generation, we're going to see that, that Russell, William Russell in 1832 is going to come back to Yale in New Haven, Connecticut, is going to start the, the, the Skull and Bones Society. And at the same time, in the following year, in 1833, I believe it is, or so around that time, in New Haven, Connecticut, also the Knights of Columbus are going to be born, a new American knighthood, a papal knighthood order to serve the Pope. And so these two knights, orders of knights, like you would imagine a chessboard having two, two knights, two pieces, are going to have an, a crucial effect from the 1830s on following the Council of Cherie in 1825, so that now in 1832, these new systems are going to be put into place, and we're going to go into this process of going into the Civil War, which America was almost lost at that time, except for, you know, the God providentially used the Protestant Abraham Lincoln to, and raised him up at a time, obviously, to save the Republic. So that's what we need now, guys. We need to remember that these stratagems that have been put into place, centuries-old Congresses and constitutions and the councils of Trent and so on in the 1600s and so on and so forth. These doctrines are not going to just go away. And these systems of training up new phalanxes and new rows and new initiates into these papal orders who are going to serve just like their forefathers did and push these plans forward. They're planning to rule the world and they're going to try to do so. And America was going to just be a speed bump in that process if we don't get our act together and begin to remember what, what our nation is all about. We're not going to be able to be, be America in service. We, we want to be good Roman Catholics, understandable, but the point is, is that you have to give up your nation and your liberty and your freedom because ultimately the sovereignty of the Roman Church demands to have preeminence over all the different sovereign nations of the world. So America is not allowed to exist as a place of religious liberty. And so you have to be able to, willing to sign up for that. This is the same thing with China. China is not allowed to exist as it wants to exist. It's allowed to exist as a puppet in the hands of this imperial globalist empire that's being built. And everyone else has to change. Everyone, all the other nations of the world have to be willing to change and to, to be ready to be subverted by these political designs. But the system that remains unchanged is in Rome. So as we, um, as we go forward, let's listen to a few audio clips that we have here for you and we're going to discuss it thing down there about you got holy you got the tech oligarchs you got all of it the biggest problem he sees the number one problem is we're too we're suing the federal government too much that we can't sue too much but it shows you the mindset their mindset this is why the bushes and these guys we've won all these elections for the last 40 or 50 years and you lost the country you lost the country. Where would this country be right now 
if we had just walked away and Trump had walked away and said, hey, I'm going to go play golf now and relax. If, if MAGA had said, you know what, let's not do this. You know, they stole it. We're just going to go sit in the corner and let the let Christie and let Ducey and let uh, and let the Bushes and can't, let these guys take over. They're all part of the same thing. They all go to the same clubs. They all they all hang out the same places. They're all skull and bones. It's all the same deal. It's the exact same deal, and that's what they said. They don't want to be. It's all pro wrestling to them. They want to put up enough form on Fox to make you think they're fighting, and they're not. What does he say? The biggest problem we have with Ken Paxson, he sues too much. I want everybody in the Lone Star State. Such as there's too many lawsuits. <laughs> too many. You know, I think, you know, vaccine mandates, mass mandates, CRT poison in your kid's mind, social emotional learning poison in your kid's mind, right? The, the g- gender ideology, gender identification, ideology poison in your kid's mind, uh, oh, grooming, the f- uh, Title 42, everything to do on the, on, on the border, the tech oligarch stuff that they're fighting, they're I can go on and on and on election fraud and go on and on and on about everything. The biggest problem he got in the AG race in Texas, Bush is running on, is that we sue too much. we got to be more, wait for it, accommodation. So we'll just cut into it right there and just, we're just listening to the different kind of provocative influencers in our current day and age. We hear we have Steve Bannon and he's always going to say the, the quiet part out loud. And I like to hear his perspective because he's going to give us a vantage point on all the different things that are going on, things that are discussed, the things that happen behind closed doors, that the normal public discourse, the regular average populist viewer on the street just really has no idea what's going on because we have this system of Hegelian dialectical control that really governs Washington, D.C. So over the last few decades, it didn't really matter if you voted for Mitt Romney or for Obama or for Bush, or it didn't really matter who you voted for because ultimately they were serving the same masters. And and the same program was really underway. And of course, you were going to see a facade of of a political debate, of supposed difference in opinion, um, a a difference in governing style or different policy uh, points. But really, you can see that the whole apparatus of the emergency war powers executive branch and the Federal Reserve debt system and the deep state monopoly, the, the imperial control system in Washington, D.C., as a mechanism remained unchanged so that the borrowing uh, kept on going up, didn't matter what the promises were, the illegal immigrants continued to pour over the border, and the entire momentum towards this catharsis was really on autopilot. You can see that a lot with Donald Trump. He went in there and they were investigating him and he had the arrogance and pompous attitude of Director Comey and he was really representing his masters and Obama and all the rest of the deep state cabal that were behind the scenes who were aligned with with Davos and with Schwab and with all the Bilderberg trilateral weirdos from, from Europe and all the kind of economists and you can see that they're all, it all goes back to the Prince Bernhardts of the world or the Queen Beatrixes of the world or the Queen Elizabeths of the world. They're really the ones who ultimately are having the great influence and you can see that they're building their their sycophants and their robber barons and you have the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks of the world and they're taking different sides of the dialectical equation here so you have right and left billionaire elites and of course the really massively powerful and massively wealthy old money of Europe and the nobility there 
is ultimately the one that are really regaining control in the absence of power in this power vacuum and the collapse of American principles and the corruption of Washington, D.C., and the tyranny that's starting to come out and overrun the American people. You can see now that they want to take away guns. And, of course, they'll, they'll start up their, their roundups in order to get rid of all the illegal immigrants, and they'll start to have this militarized uh, police state authority that will go around and just, just for, the, you know, for the good of the people to follow the law. And they, they have this created crisis of the, having allowed millions of illegal immigrants to just kind of drift like tumbleweeds into the country, and now they have to you know, have a, a problem, reaction, solution. So now there comes the solution, and ultimately the, they're going to have these FEMA camps, and they'll have to, to re, repopulate millions of Hispanic, uh, brown people with have melanin in their, in their skin, repopulate them somewhere else, and in the process, it destabilize the, the entire country. And in, in this process, of course, we can, we can expect that one Republican candidate will go out and one Democrat candidate will go in, and eventually they'll use the same powers to round up people who don't want to give up their guns. And so these are our future events, and we'll come back later on to these different little audio clips, and we'll have to be proved right once again over the course of time that it's a systematic process of control, and it's the, the Ivy League, it's the Washington, Georgetown University establishment, right? The New England establishment there that has affixed so much control over the apparatus through Washington, D.C., through the CIA, through the FBI, which is now just little more than a, a political Stasi, a neo-Gestapo that's running around the countryside arresting Republican candidates who might threaten their, their little power elite, the Gretchen Whitmer obama power structure that they have kind of built out. And they have no interest in, no interest in going back. So it's going to be a full steam ahead, a transgender drag queen in every classroom. Uh, and you can see that the politics are backing it up. So if you have Colbert's uh, comedy uh, camera team sneaking around inside the federal buildings, inside the office buildings of the Republicans, then you know that they're released, you know, no problem. But if you're a J6 terrorist insurrectionist, you're still in jail. And so the entire system of justice in the country is completely depraved, it's debased. It's dissolved. It's become demoralized. And really, we should regard these federal agents um, as good as they might be if they're going to obey these, these fascist orders from their superiors to run down or round up the, the villagers who, who, who have for thought crimes. Then we should just regard them as, as Hessians as redcoats, as people that are just tyr tyrannists. So if you're a federal agent and you're just a tyrannist, you need to get a new job. You need to recognize it's not your job to go around and regulate the, the, the parties, the political parties in this country, or take part in political persecutions. And if that's what you're there to do, then the American people should resist you. In my opinion, the American people should send people to Washington, D.C. who are grown-ups and who are serious and who can just take down the FBI building piece by piece. And we just we don't need an FBI. We can have a new um, American investigation unit, and we can just replace the FBI. We can replace the CIA. We need to have serious thinkers in Washington, D.C. who are prepared to challenge this system of despotism that we're seeing unveiled. And we need our states' rights back. We need to we need to know where to go to get our states' rights back, and we need to get off this. It's our it's our bad that we're so indebted with these Federal Reserve notes. You owe so many Federal Reserve notes for your credit cards, and Federal Reserve notes for your mortgage, and for your cars, and Federal Reserve notes for this and that. But you need to we need to get off the Federal Reserve notes. It's, it's going to um, collapse in our pockets, and it's going to take our whole country with it. 
So it's time to put our economic power in financial instruments that are going to survive because the Federal Reserve note is not. So Steve Bannon has more to say. So we'll just take another listen here. Good point that globalization, in fact, you've seen it. The Reuters had a huge story this morning. The reporting of Financial Times of, of London uh, yesterday, which was the kickoff, is still the one on top of my stack here. Investors challenged by demise of three decades of globalization, of the era of globalization, uh, demise of the era of globalization. Everybody in Davos, and this is why what's happening in uh, Georgia is so uh, vitally important. What's happening in Georgia, and obviously in Alabama and Arkansas, is a reject. It's, it's the rise of MAGA versus the Republican establishment. Remember, you can't look at things that left or right anymore. You got to look at them as up and down. Uh, nationalist versus uh, globalist, right? Uh, the uh, populist versus the elites, and in uh, the economics thereof, it's just not cultural. People say, "Oh, it's just cultural." People, uh, all these uh, cultural grievances. No, 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 no. This is inclusive nationalism. is about economics and it's about power. Uh, and Davos, remember, that's the kind of uh, that's the skull and bones. And and people get things confused. When I say the party of Davos, they call Davos man. Davos man is not really the billionaires. You get you get all the billionaires. Remember, they just came to a report yesterday. I think it was Oxfam that said there's been one new billionaire printed every day since the pandemic started because of the way we handled monetary policy and the way that we decided to at least initially had to do this, but to just continue on with this uh, with this flooding the zone with fiat currency. It's created uh, a new billionaire every day, and I know the audience. Um, I know you're not being created as a new billionaire. Stamped as new bringer every day. Davos man, though, is really the factotums, the, the functionaries that go there. It's the consulting firms, it's the uh, law firms, uh, it's the media advisories, it's the commercial banks, it's the investment banks. It's not the it's not the it's not the swells. They're all there to you know in and out the Elon Musk and the and the uh, you know all the all the sheiks uh, sheiks from the Gulf Emirates and, and guys coming from the Chinese Communist Party. And the, the billionaire hedge fund manager, you know, what I think will come in there. But the Davos man is basically this cult. Of, they, they've told them they're the elect. You heard that in Klaus, uh, Schwab's, Klaus Schwab's uh, opening, right? Where he tells you, you're among the elect, right? And we have to build the future as long as stakeholders. You, you represent stakeholders. You're a Grundoon or relative Grundoon. Uh, but you represent, a sta- you represent stakeholders, okay? And those stakeholders, as long as we collaborate. And that's why you have, uh, you know, people that go there and attend and people say, oh, no, no, I'm just going to find a video. I was not under you're a collaborator into that effort. You're, you're empowering that effort. You're giving that effort uh, credentials. Let's talk about Davos for a second. And, um, and I'm going to go back to a very specific uh, time in, uh, in our history. If you go back to the third week of January of 2017, just a random, uh, just a random time interval, she... President Xi came to Davos, right? Came to Davos to give the kickoff presentation. What Zelensky gave you, kind of the the big the big kickoff uh, speech. And he gave a speech that essentially said it was the end of the Westphalian system. He said that we are now, uh, and it, it really it was an interconnectivity interconnection of not just markets, but of process and kind of um, in, 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 in a network, a network effect, a network of markets and process. And this network was global in nature. And that they were the they were going to be the railhead of that with the manufacturing base, but they were networking. They one belt one road, all of it. Flo- and Davos man couldn't get enough. Standing ovation, headlines in the Financial Times. She had come and he had outlined essentially 
a new war order predicated upon the post-war international rules-based order, which was supposed to be the thing that we fought so hard for, right? And they and they were loving it. They were loving it. And this is all the media meets and the and the and the accounting, you know, firms and the law firms and the and all the banks and commercial banks, the hedge funds, who are all in one business. Remember, everybody in Davos is all in one industry. That what is that industry? Information. Right, they have that's information. They either how they manipulate it, how they interpret it, how they analyze it. It's data. It's really data and information. Uh, whether you're investing, whether you're a law firm, whether you're an accounting firm, whether you're a media company, whether one of these marketing companies, branding companies, you're in the information business. Different aspects of it. So these people have more information. In fact, one of the reasons of the elect, they say you're the elect, is that you have the insider information and knowledge, right, and data and access to it that. The, uh, the, the deplorables in rural Georgia do not, or the deplorables in rural Alabama do not, or the deplorables in Arkansas do not, or in the Rio Grande Valley do not. So in many ways, Steve Bannon is an important individual who's coming out right now in politics and who's talking about things that other people won't talk about. And you can see, if you listen carefully right there, in this discussion about the World Economic Forum, and it really, its connection and its birth out of this system of globalism, out of the whole culture of globalist elitists that really have everything to do with the World Health Organization, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund, and the United Nations, and Davos, for instance, and this whole process of internationalization and creating a global one-world system that really makes obsolete all the nations of the world. This process was something that was being born out of the Bilderberg meetings, which were created by Prince Bernhardt of the Netherlands. And so it really goes back to this idea of nobility, this idea of creating a bloodline, a royal bloodline, by which all the, the plebs and the serfs must submit to the royal authority. And the whole philosophical underpinning of kind of noblesse oblige, as opposed to give me liberty or give me death, and the idea of the fight for the human liberty that was enshrined in the American Republic. And so that you can see that the whole momentum and gravitation of geopolitics in the world moving in the centrum of the Davos Forum, the World Economic Forum, if you will, bringing together Islam and the sheiks and the rich Arab Saudi princes and bringing together the kind of vacuous technocrats, the millennials who, millionaires who occupy Silicon Valley, bringing together the, the ultramontane stalwarts of the aristocracy in the European Union who have combined their effort to become a super state in the name of creating the Holy Roman Empire in an age of modernity and globalism. And you can see that even the CCP comes to the Davos and Xi Jinping gives a great speech. It's the end of the Westphalian system of nation states and individual freedom and constitutional republics. And it's an age of globalist elite billionaires and massive nuclear weapons and Russian incursion into Ukraine. So you can see that the move here in history, 2022, is a fulfillment of what was planned in 1822. And you can see that between 1922 and 1933, the world was in a great deal of, of change. And you can expect that kind of change to be repeated now 
and a larger magnitude greater as we move forward here in 2022. And these philosophies and these great American principles of religious liberty and courageous stance against tyranny with our cannons and our gunpowder and the idea of a free press and free speech are all now antiquated. They become kind of mundane, ancient hieroglyphs and ruins in the sands of time to these people who are ready to build a Wi-Fi network, an internet of things and places and people and cybernetic implants in your brain and, and chips in your hands so you can just walk into your office and light up your office with your with the wave of your hand, right? So this is the kind of direction that they want to move in, and they want to have presidents in the White House who have crackhead sons, who have been knocking off strippers, who have children with no names, and we have the Chinese preparing for war to come and, and to fulfill what their destiny was. I mean, they were people that have been, have their whole civilization built in recent history on the post-traumatic geopolitical catastrophe of having the British forcefully mass import opium to your people with gunships. And then a few centuries later, we have the, the installation of Mao and the Chinese Communist Party in a country that's supposed to be a protectorate and is supposed to be belong to the Commonwealth of British States. Somehow, just they just hand it over to this malignant and destructive concentration Stalinism and then over the course of time Tiananmen Square happens nothing happens Bush senior just sends over Skullcroft and we do we just we just make it all good we're just we're gonna bring the CCP now not the Chinese government but now the Chinese communist government into the World Trade Organization and into the United Nations and into the World Health Organization and of course we're gonna make sure that all of our weapons secrets and our nuclear weapons and all of our secret technology gets stolen by them and nowhere along the way when it was possible for us to make sure that the Chinese people were liberated from this horrifying state of communism at no time were we able to depose the Chinese Communist Party when they were weak and just rice paddy farmers but now they've built themselves up to a near peer competitor with nuclear weapons and nuclear powered subs mind you and so you have to see that this isn't just the happenstance of random organic history this is something far more and you can see that in the far east the chinese communist party in the far east the chinese the great chinese nation an ancient powerhouse of geography and manpower and vast cultural experience has been harnessed the way that you harness an ox to plow a field. And they've been enslaved. They've been enslaved to make James LeBron sneakers. And, and not just him alone, but hundreds of thousands of other people around the world are making millions of dollars off the slave labor of China, who just openly has no problem committing cultural and mass genocide against the Uyghur people and now threatens Taiwan. So it's time for us to recognize the dangers of our own ignorance. And allowing ourselves to just watch more Seinfeld episodes or whatever people do because there's so much content. It's like an ocean crashing down, a tidal wave of content crashing down. And people can't get off their devices. We're just so addicted to our phones in the last 10, 15, and 20 years. The, the, the gradual production of this technology as we carry around trackers who report back every thought we have, every place we go, and every word we utter to some kind of mainframe you know, computer somewhere, some Apache server somewhere, just picking up every detail of our lives. So we've entered this panopticon of a technological surveillance state, and we're about to find out firsthand what these stakeholders 
in this new stakeholder capitalism. And I think that it's fair to say that you and I are not stakeholders. In the American Republic, the stakeholders were the people. We the people, we were the ones who were going to set up legislatures that would set up rules and laws and statutes that we wanted. They would allow for freedoms that we desired and would be changeable by the methods that we decided would be an issue. And, of course, you can see now that George Soros gets to come down and decide who's going to be the DA in some little county in Mississippi. And so this world of democracy is now an illusion, and so we can't actually affect change on our government, and our government is going to use its now inappropriate and illegal and illegitimate grant of power over us as supposedly having a mandate supposedly being decreed with having authority from you and I and from the voter, which they don't have, they'll use their status as the government to come and take us away. We're we're now J6 insurrectionists. And if you don't want to go to jail um, for sneaking around federal buildings in Washington, D.C., then you just have to be a Colbert camera crew, like we were saying before. And then you just, it's all good. No worries. But um, we're in a state of massive political hypocrisy in this country, whether for or against, it really doesn't matter at this point. It's just a state of endemic hypocrisy. And so everything is absolutely clownish now. I mean, Joe Biden shitting his pants and forgetting where he is after a life of wickedness and vile evil. Have You know, they went and <laughs> they went to the guy who runs Project Veritas. I have finger, you know, quotation marks right now. My fingers are up making quotation marks. Project Veritas. They go to his house and kick in his door because they want back the diary of the daughter of the president of the United States that, w- that discusses how he was taking showers with her. So we're in a really mixed up state. On every level, on every single degree of chakra, right? Things are totally screwed up. So this great reset, it really is disgusting the fact to enter into this state of economic turmoil and shock it's going to bring us down at a time when the other countries, apparently the ruble is the strongest currency in the world right now, the Russian ruble. We should have invested in the Russian ruble, right? Then we would have saved some of the value of our of our net worth. But apparently China and Russia are working quite closely together at a time when we're going to face a terrible collapse. And so I think that um, we have to remember the foundations of the principles of this republic so that we can stand together and bravely face what's coming next. So bearing this in mind, what we heard from Steve Bannon, we have to recognize that it's, it's Germany today it won't cut off its partnership with Russia to get all of its energy and its oil and its gas. So that Germany today is funding the Russian operations directly because they're totally enthralled and addicted to Russian energy. So they're paying the Russian Federation billions of dollars, and that funds their war efforts. And we here in the West, who are supposed to be partners with the Europeans and NATO, which a lot's changed since the European Union with NATO, don't you think? We're supposed to be partners defending the Europeans against the Russians, and we're over here funding the Ukrainians to fight the Russians in this war that's just getting hundreds of thousands of people killed. It's insane. So these huge machines and these huge combinations of power and this war machinery that's building up, 
that's allowing these huge segments of the world to align with Russia and with China against the U.S. And now we can see that OPEC is a really big deal. Before it was just Russia and China and Brazil hey, over there just making some little tiny oil deals. But now that the, all that has come to fruition and they're getting ready to replace the Federal Reserve note, which is no friend of ours, to be honest, as the global reserve currency. But that causes a catastrophe, a financial and economic catastrophe for all those who are the stakeholders of that debt because that's that's the american debt that's everyone who has a social security number that's our debt so now this new alliance this new world order that's being built it's bringing these different this framework for a new structure a new global alliance is coming together and it's weakening america so as soon as they take taiwan and north korea jumps off how are we going to defend south korea all these different tinderboxes are going to light all these dominoes are going to fall and we can see that these arrangements have been structured this way by design and this these are just the, not just the accidents of history so we need to look deeper we need to look deeper and see who these individuals are where they went to school and how these things came to be so as we move forward let's just let steve bannon finish his thoughts here now, at that speech, when she finished, remember, standing ovation, he was, that was the Davos plan. This is in 2017, the Davos plan. At the time, remember, these guys in the information business, they knew all about the Uyghurs. They knew about the concentration camps. They knew all about the Uyghurs, right? They knew about the Uyghurs. They knew all about the uh, Falun Gong. They knew all about the organ harvesting. They knew all about uh, the suppression that was coming in Taiwan. They knew all about the uh, underground evangelicals, the underground Catholic Church. They knew about the suppression of the Lao Beijing, the Chinese people. They knew about the that she was essentially the head of a transnational criminal organization. They didn't play by the rules-based order. They had gained the system of the rules-based order to become literally an imperial power. They knew that. They knew all of it. And yet they stood and gave a stand ovation. And this was the future. If you see the, the following to that speech, the network effect of markets, process, resources was the future, the next stage in the new world order. It shows you that they're totally immoral. They understood all of it, and it didn't matter. It did not matter. 48 hours later, another speech was given. That was at that Capitol. It was by Donald John Trump. It was the speech of the day of his inauguration. So we can see that we're trying to work hard to find a way to describe to you difficulty that we're facing as you can see if you put your ear to the ground and listen to the different information that you have available to you and you compare it and contrast it with what's going on politically what's going on in the world you have right now a, a kind of a sham january 6 conspiracy theory committee in in washington dc run by a bunch of like marxists and fake you know bush skull and bones republicans like cheney if you want who looks like she's on her way out oh dear god please allow her to be beaten in the election in the name of jesus right that's i mean when you're praying in the name of jesus boy it's real like you really you really like dying like you're like lord please if, if we can't get rid of that woman out of there anyway i digress but the point is that what you see happening is them developing a pretext to try to arrest or charge president donald trump and so you can see that they're in this process it reminds me of how things went with pol pot you know they they want to just march all the republicans 
out into the streets and just have them all shot as a matter of, you know, the Department of Justice. You know, the due, due course of constitutional justice will be that just shoot all the Republicans. You know, and that, I think that's the kind of momentum and the kind of swing of radicalism we see with Antifa and with these Obamaites who are really just, you know, they're just sycophants of the cult of the Obamas and the Clintons, and they're coming in to try this street Bolshevik maneuver. And of course, if Trump was ever elected and, and Hillary was in power, then she probably would have surely taken the guns by now, and we probably would all be you know, at the hands of Antifa acolytes who would be out there in the streets burning down our cars, and you know the, the, the whole country would be would already be collapsed with military invasion underway. And that's that's really what happens next year. I mean, as people are beginning to buckle and, and the principles of the nation are becoming corrupt and people are no longer having any integrity or any ethical foundation, these kind of Clintons will become billionaires and the, now the Obamas will become billionaires because of the taking the money, the corrupted money um, from the Chinese and from wherever they can get it. And so justice is polluted in, in our land. And so that when that happens, the, the nation is weak and there's no defense defenders at the gates. There's no defenders at the border. The border patrol is now being probably demoralized even further. There's probably more cutbacks. Uh, you know, they're, they're probably in danger in their job more than ever. And you can see that if millions of people, you know, a day are sweeping across the southern border and the desert there and these different places, Eagle Pass or whatever, the Darien Gap, or, you know, all, all these kind of things are happening and millions of people are pouring into the country. You can see that that there's an undocumented illegal underclass of citizens who are now become a huge political target for this political, you know, this political infighting in Washington D.C. They're just a, another political football, another weapon that the the different parties can try to use against one another. Like I said, I think that when you know the radical reactionary Republican, the, the neo nationalist Republican Party comes back into power, and it's going to be angry, it's going to be lashing out, it's going to want to round up all these undocumented people, and it's going to make a, it's going to cause a crime wave, and it's going to cause the targeting of law enforcement against this underclass of undocumented foreign nationals that are floating around the country right now. You can see them trying to look very American uh, in WalMarts everywhere you go, and in Targets too. So, you know, everybody gets to see them, and they're here. And uh, the, it's just a situation where you can see that it causes, as these individuals have to have jobs, and they do take, you know, to spend money here, but they're, they're sending a massive amount of the money back overseas, and it further cuts the throat of the American economy. And, it, and really, these people have been encouraged, like it's a fun park, to come and run and, and to run into the United States and to just work and live here peacefully in this tranquilo, right? And they like that, and they like earning those uh, federal pesos and dineros, and they um, and it's it's all well and good. But of course, when this new regime gets into power, I think that it'll be part of the deep state pharmaceutical military industrial complex gearing up for one reason or another to begin to use its broad policing powers and its geospatial technology and its ability just to randomly grab people wherever they're at, pop up, how people used to do, there would be raids, there would be La Migra, right? The immigration services would show up at the jobs and arrest the people and send them back to their countries. And so when this happens on a, a massive scale, I think it's going to change body politic within the United States so that now we have this new mechanism for regulating through technology uh, people's uh, legal status. So, yeah, you, you won't just be pulled over by a cop who looks at your license and discovers you have a warrant. Now, warrants will be issued and people 
will come and pick you up because you represent a little red dot on a, a Google map somewhere in DARPA or whatever. You have a phone with you and you have your digital fingerprint everywhere you go. So they'll just drop in and just take you out. And that'll be the new mechanism, the new technotronic law enforcement mechanism that'll be put into place. And so you can see that it's going to be a lot harder to maintain individual liberties and political sovereignty for yourself when the technocracy in one party or another begins to take total technological control over your life and over your your daily life and your schedule and it becomes a process of dictatorial micromanagement over your life you know and whether what you do next and this of course is all in the words of these different massive corporations like meta and uh, these are the people that are interested in creating human robot hybrids who are creating the technology to put implants in people's brains to try to create new levels of cyborg interface with technology with humans and so you know these are the individuals who are beginning to spell out the future and this is what they have to say this is how they 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 view the nature of your life you know the idea of of having a vote in a republic in in america is very quaint it's very colloquial right it's very like it's very it's very american and we have different individuals who are trying to spell out the difficulty that we're having with the new world order and we have a whole subclass of ignorant walmart shoppers in america who want to stop and get the chicken mcnuggets at walmart or at uh, at at, uh, mcdonald's and who have no ability to think outside the red versus blue dynamic and i don't want this to be you so you have to recognize that the trouble that we're having is one that pits american liberty and american political jurisprudence and the framework of free men who set up a system of democracy that was balanced in a republic so that even the the minority would be protected and we can see that um that now that that whole system is uh, of our our declaration of independence and our constitutional liberty and our right to as free men it was laid out in the constitution is something that is totally at odds with the rising system of global hegemony that, that they're trying to create through the technocracy and uh, through the technocratic state you can see that you have apple making iphones in sweatshops with uh, slave labor and they turn around and sell you two thousand dollar devices that are just as fragile as glass you know and they're, they're making billions of dollars in this cultural paradigm where we have the expectation of freedom and rights for all and they have the expectation of dying young and just being used for their the Falun Gong just being used for their body parts and their organs being harvested and genocide against the Uyghurs all so that these guys can sit up there and, and have billions of dollars billions of credits in their bank accounts and um, it's something that's a system that we have to abhor and we have to eschew it. We have to hate it, but we have to learn how to operate outside of it and build our own necessary social media sites and tech companies and just build our own apparatus so that we don't have to be controlled by this kind of DARPA, Google, Facebook, Amazon control grid. But we would like to bring to you right now and present to you our sponsor for this hour is Wendy's Boutique. Wendy's Boutique Limited is you can find the website at wendyslimited.com. They have the hottest new styles and the best best in women's apparel and high-end, classy ladies, uh, ladies gear, streetwear, and all kinds of fashion apparel, accessories. So remember wendyslimited.com. You can go over there and if you just make a note in the order and let them know that you're coming from Looking Glass Forum, you can get a discount. I'm sure it's it'll, it'll come up on your in your promo code there if you Go to wendyslimited.com, wendyslimited.com, and just check it out. Like I said, and she's very brave. They're, they're, they're very courageous. It's a woman-owned, family-run operation over there, and they're trying to make sure that 
like Americans have to. We have to make sure that our women are beautiful and that they're fine and they, they are competent and they like to, you know, make sure that uh, they are pleasing their man all the time with their beautiful fashion apparel at Wendy's Boutique Limited. Wendy'sLimited.com, guys. Check it out. Wendy'sLimited.com. So, yeah, our sponsor, Wendy'sLimited.com, very brave and wonderful people over there who um, are very interested in American liberty and, and independence and freedom. And um, we were just pointing out to you that this system that's coming online, that's coming online to the technocracy and just through the whole, uh, they, they said there's no conspiracies, but of course it's a whole system built on a conspiracy where you have the different technocratic elite, millennial people over there running, running Twitter and Facebook and Amazon over there, and they have people that are just, they'll take down books, you know, or the New York Times, people, they, they won't allow their books to be to, to be positioned correctly on the New York Times seller, seller's list. It's just, it's a constant process of trying to get the truth out about what's going on in America, and you have all these censors who are just, they're, they're in, a, in a different kind of dimension, they're in a psychological meltdown, they can't accept reality, so they have to try to fabricate reality, they have to try to find points that support their ideology, no matter how they are and you can see now that with the world economic forum we have the whole situation that with klaus schwab his family ties to the rothschild banking uh, family there he, he was married in his parents and family members are, are, are tied into to the rothschild family and of course he was running the bilderberg meetings for a long time and that's like like we said before that's when uh, back when alex jones and all those guys were, were outside just watching those those meetings and everyone uh, no one had an idea and it's kind of been externalized now now it's kind of been brought to, out to light and now they're just all, all the different apparatus of the new world order government are kind of being brought online so you have the, the world economic forum you have the world bank you have the international monetary fund and the bank of international settlements there in switzerland you have the world health organization the united nations you have unesco you have you know even nato you need this whole arrangement of world order has now taken on a life of its own and i think that american independence and liberty and freedom and constitutional values and those those principles by which this country was ordained and established are becoming more oppression and, and more are coming more into focus now than ever before and it's crucial now that we like clarence Ch thomas is now like i was discussing with my partners i mean i think that his life is in danger i think they might try to kill him they hate that guy and he really is uh part and parcel of another individual like Donald Trump who's standing against the deep state Washington control system that's you know that, that ties in with the city of London and with with uh, with Rome and with Brussels you know what I mean this whole system of bringing online world government it would cause America to have to exist in the world that where the CCP is preparing weapons for our destruction and polluting the whole entire ocean over there in the, in the sky and the entire area around China is polluted beyond belief and we are expected to shut down all of our energy operations just to supposedly save the planet so the, the the propaganda machine that's really bringing us to the end of american sovereignty and american freedom and american security in the world is is um is being articulated by individuals like klaus schwab at the world economic forum who is obviously partnering with the ccp and who is obviously partnering with, with biden with this build back better plan and this all leads to a total land invasion of the united states the continental United States, so that, you know, you can see now that they've almost pulled back any chance of, you know, protecting or, or, or salvaging California. Everyone's fleeing the area. So you can see that's the obvious um, 
point that's being prepared. The Chinese already run the ports there. The Chinese are already operating canal, and this, uh, the, the whole thing is just kind of like cinched into place. And the American people out there are just too ignorant and too in a daydream and too busy wearing tight pants and looking at their iPhones and wearing their their uh, LeBron James sneakers. You know, so you just you're replete with purchasing the, the items made by slave labor in China, and and you're just good with it. You've accepted it. The world's accepted it. So when the um, the balance comes due, Americans, when they watch their cities burn and their grid goes down and their 5G doesn't work anymore, and they start to look around as the electricity goes out, and we call this the blackout. And when it happens, people are just not going to be prepared. The debit card and however many you know U.S. dollar units they had saved up in the bank, it, it just all will come to nothing. There'll be nothing left. You have no chance of survival if you don't if you're not prepared for what it's going to be like after the blackout. So that's our estimation. That's our, our warning and our dire prediction is that it's going to happen. Could it be weeks or months? But it's, it's something that we're being that we're looking at now since we have allowed this Bi the illegitimate Biden regime to come into place. Now we have our enemies inside the gates. So regarding Klaus Schwab, there's a lot of fact checkers that pop up and, and complain that it's a conspiracy theory that he, and he's not related to the Rothschild family. But we can show, and we'll add the links into the show notes, that Marianne, that Marianne Schwab was a Rothschild. Her name, she was born Marianne Rothschild, and she married into the Schwab family. So his mother, you know, he has family members who are, you know, his family is the Rothschild family. It's just the way it is. So we can show that in the, in the data points, and um, you can try to break those down and, and, and find out, you know, how those could be. You know, if they don't fit your worldview, maybe you could find out how they're they're false. But as far as I could tell, he, he quite, he, despite the, all the fact checkers, and these and these fact checks that come up are just propaganda points. That they're the oracles of truth. They claim to be the arbiters of all knowledge and, and veritas and truth. And that they say that Klaus Schwab is is not connect with the Rothschild family, then it must be true. But of course, we can, like I said, go check the show notes. We'll show the links that uh, it's clear that he is. How the World Economic Forum, how it's poised and set up to be a, a non-government organization, an NGO that's kind of tied with the United Nations, but it's just kind of this platform for globalist leaders to tell the rest of the world some kind of propaganda message or whatever. Just, you know, just this positioning of themselves as the stakeholders of the future, right? And the owners of the world, we know, who have the World Health Organization here to tell us who's sick or what's sick and what science is and, and Fauci, right? And then you have, of course, you have the United Nations, a bunch of Luciferians and weirdos up there with theosophy. And um, they have uh, Helena Blavatsky. And we, you know, we have a lot of episodes more to go more deeply into these issues with the um, you know the secret doctrine and to just some of the occult underpinnings of the United Nations, which are kind of shocking and people really don't know anything about it. And they're just generally ignorant because Hollywood presents the United Nations as the great hero that we should be working for, and you know the, the future always depicts spacecrafts with the the United Nations forces on there. You know, and so these are the, the kind of structures that are implanted in our mind, this kind of ideology of globalism is implanted in our mind through these different arts and through these different mediums of television shows and Netflix series. And you know what I mean? So it, it's this complexity. We have to understand that the United Nations, the World Health Organization, 
the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and yada, UNESCO, on and on and on and on. All these different private organizations were developed to depict the structure of world government that we're all supposed now to kowtow to. We're all supposed to now get in line and take our shot from the World Health Organization and get our, our monetary units from the World Bank, and we're all supposed to get our rights from the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. And all, you know, so it's just, it's just this mind numbing ocean of propaganda that crashes down on us and begin to really, you know, begin to forget the ground that's right under our feet, which is our American Constitution and our political liberty and our, and our individual freedom and habeas corpus that protects you and I from the encroachments of the government to just come in our home and to take our goods and just to to just kick us out on the street and you know what I mean remove all our money and the, the, the protection the barrier of legal protection between you and I and the state is this constitution and so they're they're getting ready to try to shred it I mean George Bush called it outdated and and so he ultimately the skull and bones man is really a sycophant and a really and a, a coadjutor of the Knights of Malta and the papal structure. And you can see that Jeb Bush is a, a Knight of Columbus. It's pretty well known. And you can see that ultimately they represent the forces of globalism and the forces of nobility and aristocracy. They represent the forces of the papacy and, of, and the ideology that devolves us back to serfdom, back to the Dark Ages, back to the universal authority of the Pope to command the kings of the world and to command governments and to, to give papal bulls and papal encyclicals to command all the low, small people of the world. And so those days are done, but they're they're working hard to bring back that, that system of universal dominion over all nations. And so there will be no declaration of independence. There'll, there'll be no Bill of Rights that we set up and establish a constitution for our own self-government. Okay, that will not be allowed. So that's, that's what we're seeing. That's where we're seeing the continuation of the fight of freedom here. And so they have to ultimately demoralize the American people. That's the only way to get at America. You can't get at it through the military or through its economic power. You have to get at the American people and you have to demoralize and corrupt them beyond recognition. So you can see today when you have the Hollywood actors and you can see that they're pure culture, that they're, the celebrity culture is completely sick, it's completely drug-addled, and it's completely just eaten up with all these different kind of political platitudes and, and the, the, tra the transgender gestures and the BLM stuff. And of course, it all contradicts itself. It all con contradicts each other. Because if you're just so woke, you know, and you support BLM and you support transgender people, what about the Uyghurs? They just don't count. They're just, they're just like the bus boys. You just slap them down send them away and they clean up they, they clean up your dishes right just screw them right they're not part of the, the woke mob you know that's taking advantage of american independence and american privilege and american political liberty under the constitution to be all woke and so you can so you can see that this is this is an endemic state of hypocrisy these individuals are in they can't explain or defend themselves in any kind of debate they can't explain what they mean and they can't explain why the little kids in elementary classrooms have to be groomed with this transgender sexual ideology but they just so you can see that pretty pretty soon it will be totally chaotic absurd inane psychobabble and it won't make any sense at all it's just the the process of trying to empower victimization as a prerequisite for trying to burn down your own uh, country and your own culture. So we have a really good explanation of this. Let's listen to this fellow. I like how he just lays out the struggle that we're having with the globalist Davos crowd who is bringing together a powerful economic, military, 
and energy producing block of nations who can rival the United Nations, which now stands alone with Biden over there shitting his pants in the chair and Hunter Biden over there um, smoking crack and making sweet deal, genius deals with the spy agents and the, 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 the spy, the espionage officers and of the CCP and the, the spy masters of the CCPs over there you know, making deals with, with Burisma and the Ukraine. I mean, this guy is, uh, he's, he's got his fingers on money that was sent to set up biological weapons labs in Ukraine. I mean, this, this whole thing is a catastrophe. And no one apparently has the courage in this entire country to confront it. And meanwhile, they're trying to find a way to charge uh, to charge Donald Trump um, with some kind of like case, some kind of like indictment, right? So it's really the power of this pushing back against Comey. We thought we just had a problem with Comey, the director of the FBI. Well, apparently, it's much more than just Comey. It's Comey and the director of the World Health Organization and the director of the World Bank and the director of the World Economic Forum. It's this entire apparatus of global government that now has partnered with this process of uncoupling and the supply chains, and then now, now China threatens us with the inability to get medicine and the inability to get the components to make medicines and shutting off our supply lines. So now the, the whole global apparatus of the rules-based order that we, gen, we almost single-handedly invented is now being used to boycott us and to, to separate us from the different mineral resources and the different rare earth minerals that we need to, to ultimately get out of the earth. I mean, this is really Taiwan, the ability to make chips. I mean, it's one of the biggest chip manufacturers in Silicon Valley West. Well, the book is the basis for what we're watching here uh, at uh, Davos, really, uh, and also in the Ukraine, which is this kind of, a, we're calling it now a ghost empire that is supranational, that is above the nations. One of their spearheads is the World Health Organization, but uh, it, it overlaps with the military-industrial complex, which, of course, is feasting in Ukraine. Um, and this globalist organization basically drains the wealth from the poor nations and then in the wealthy nations it, it drains the wealth from the working class, the middle class and even the upper class up into the globalist organizations and the result of this has been this growing disparity in influence and in wealth between a very small group of a few thousand people and the rest of the world and that is basically what we're fighting. And unfortunately, as, as we point out in COVID-19, the global predators, most of the large industries are involved with this, uh, yeah. Stephen. Most of the large uh, medical and scientific establishments are, are involved with this. And the single answer to it all is exactly where you're focused, rebuilding the sovereignty and strength of the United States of America, because we are literally all that stands between a globalist empire, literally, and a free nation. So I think that's a fascinating way to describe the situation that we're dealing with here in this turmoil and this struggle for hegemony and supremacy and political power and sovereignty in the world and to have a military capable of defending those rights. 
And we can't have a Declaration of Independence, we can't have a Bill of Rights, we can't have profound political liberty for all of our citizens and prosperity to boot if we don't have a military capable of defending our borders or a government capable of enforcing the laws that restrict who can come in and who can go out and whether they're documented. And so I think we're really just, we're facing a point of total demoralization where parents are struggling to keep perverse drag queen perverts out of the schools, away from the kids, or those who want to inculcate perverse sexual practices into the minds of children who are just there to learn and to become the future citizens and the future caretakers of our, of our country and our nation and, and the future parents. So this kind of molesting and, and, and this inappropriate introduction of sexual conversations and ideas into the elementary or middle school classrooms or any classroom is, you know, really inappropriate, especially if that's not what the classroom is designed for. Even if you're in college, why should you be harangued by sexually perverse ideas in an environment that's supposed to be academic? And so that's what you see coming from these hallowed halls of academia. The intellectual classes have uh, have no sense, and they don't have the ability to maintain even a modicum of decency or integrity because they're so they're so beset upon other people's children. And of course, these people who want to inculcate and in- induce homosexual ideas into the, the minds of children are people who can't have children themselves, and to want to just wreck the minds of and sexually exploit the minds of other people's children. So that's why it's so heinous and so reprobate and depraved and just disgusting beyond words that we should really just hang them. We should hang them by a tree. And if you're going to go into a classroom and try to approach children about sexual topics or transgender issues or tranny, like uh, uh, drag queen things, you should just be dragged outside and, and drag queened up a tree with a rope on your neck and uh, we'll just drag you by the tree. Okay, That's, that's, that's my personal opinion. So it's really enraging. People are incensed, and they should be. Of course, we can't be provoked to go over the line. Just You can imagine the January 6th, the people were all sent up there to go and approach the Capitol building. And then when they were led inside, they were duped into committing crimes, unwittingly crossing a red line that the, the Obama Heights, the Obama anti-fascist left-wing psychos were going in Congress and Nancy Pelosi and Taboo were all going to take advantage of to use as a Cassius Belli and of course Trump is powerless on his way out to do anything about it. They weren't prepared for the fraudulent election irregularities that were cropping up. The Dominion voting machines and the the ballot boxes being stuffed with hundreds of thousands of millions of questionable ballots that are now just all shredded and gone as no more evidence. And every step of the way, when we tried to get into the machines and take a look at the elections, all the local people were paid off, probably by Zuckerbucks, right? Came in with a half a billion dollars and spread it around, and everyone shut up. And we um, were dealing with the consequences of a corrupt and illegitimate White House. That's what we're dealing with. And so to change the whole subject, we have another interesting clip here. And we're going through the different notations that I make when I'm listening to different episodes and to different kind of podcasts and different news clips, and I have a whole bunch of them, so I'm just going to go through them slowly and try to flesh out what is happening, the undercurrents that are taking place behind the scenes, what is, you know, what is really going on that isn't immediately apparent. People like Steve Bannon are really good at just kind of stating out loud what is, like we said, 
with his stating the quiet part out loud and just saying what needs to be said. And, and he's been pretty courageous. I mean, I don't, I don't support him on every single thing that he thinks or all the different ideas, but I think that he's been pretty courageous on calling out some of these elites and, so, and pointing the finger and naming names. And that's what we, what we really need. And I'm not sure really how he's tied in or how he's connected, but he's been really uh, critical and he's been critical in an effective and open-minded way in, in, in pointing out and shining a light on people that need to be uh, have a light shined on them. So that's why he is necessary as an instrument, as a tool for in this show, because he's going to discuss things so often that the other people will not discuss and and we can and people can just brush these topics under the rug and say that's conspiracy theory. Those things aren't real. Those things are just made up. They're in a book somewhere that you have to read. You know, it's, there's no YouTube video because of course every YouTube video gets kind of canceled or deleted or taken out or you know that discusses anything that's contrary to the orthodox worldview of how everything is supposed to be. Right. So if you're contrary to the globalist worldview, then of course you'll find that your video will be canceled. And they haven't found a way to cancel books yet. That's why we have our book club. And they haven't found a way to cancel this podcast. That's why we need your support so badly. And we hope that you do support us. But this next clip is a crucial facet of the discussion that just kind of passes by and people won't know about it. I didn't know about it, but it has to do with the history of Ukraine and this complexity between Ukraine and Russia and this long-standing antagonism between the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic hierarchy. So on one side, you have the Orthodox Church who maintains its independence and it maintains the independence of the hierarchy of its priests and its bishops away from the magisterium of Rome. So they're not underneath the papacy and the authority and the spiritual authority of the Pope. Okay. So they have their own independent church, kind of like the Anglican church or the Protestant church. Eventually they disagreed with the papacy and the Vatican and they split off and their churches separated and they maintained their own Christian religious traditions separated from Rome. Of course, that's not something that's allowed to to happen. You're not allowed to have a Christian church that's separated from Rome. You're not allowed to be a Protestant or a Huguenot or an Orthodox or or anyone that's you know you're not allowed to be a part of the Christian church that's separated outside of the, the control of the Vatican because then they call you a heretic and they try to subjugate you or burn you at the stake or they send uh, the uh, crusades after you, or they, they, they do something, they, they send Hitler after you to burn you in a gas chamber, um, or Stalin will round you up and have you shot, or one way or another, the Vatican is going to deal with you if you will not submit to the papacy. So what you're seeing in the backdrop of the religious aspect of what's happening in Ukraine is this power struggle between the Vatican and the Orthodox churches. And you can see that the, that Putin represents the globalist power structure that's trying to subsume uh, and, and reverse history and, and to have the, the final say on the separation and independence of the, the Orthodox churches. So this next clip from Geopolitics and Empire is fascinating. The gentleman has a little bit of, a, of an accent, but you can understand him. So let's take a listen to the awesome clip here. If you a thousand thousand years old story uh, because I think the roots of this conflict we can see now in Ukraine are very uh, deeply uh, rooted in, in history in Europe and uh, in my view it, everything has started with the 
you know, 1,200 years ago, when a new emperor came into power here in Europe, uh, this, the name of this emperor was Charlemagne, Charles the Great, uh, and he was the first one, he was a German, and he was the first one to restore, he wanted to restore the old Roman Empire, which collapsed at the 5th century after Jesus Christ. And uh, this guy uh, was a conqueror, he was, uh, he was uh, a, a, blood, uh, a blood maker, if I can say, because he killed a lot of people uh, to conquer his uh, new uh, states, you know, in, in Germany, because in South Germany and North of France, his, his capital was uh, Aix-la-Chapelle, Aachen, uh, now in Germany. And uh, this guy wanted to change the religion uh, because it was the orthodox uh, religious at the time and the Pope, everybody was orthodox in Europe or in, in, uh, in the East, uh, in Jerusalem, Turkey and so on, in Constantinople. But uh, this guy wanted to change uh, the, 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 the composition of the Trinity. You know, you had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you wanted to change a little bit the thing. Uh, it was its ideological fight for him in order to, to have a common ideology, new religious ideology for his states. But he could not succeed. He, he succeeded to become an emperor because the Pope, he had the Pope to reconquer his seat, the holy seat in Rome, and uh, he could uh, become emperor, but he could not change the religion. Uh, this change came one century, 50 years later, in, uh, in the 10th century, when a new German prince uh, called Otto was able also to gather uh, European states and to create a new empire, it was the holy the Holy Roman German Empire, and he wanted also to change the, the religion. He could not succeed at first. He has to. His successor was able to do it 50 years later, uh, and it was the religious schism. We have uh, we have uh, told uh, just a few minutes, uh, which happened in the 11th century. Why uh, this? Uh, uh, this remembering of the history. Because this religious schism between Catholic, uh, people who became Catholic, it was in the Western Europe, and the Orthodox in the Eastern part of Europe, in Greece and uh, Byzantine Empire, was the first divide of Europe, of the Christian world, let's say, in two parts. And now we can still uh, see that in Ukraine. For instance, in Ukraine, you have also this kind of this same division between the Uniat, we call the Uniats uh, in Ukraine, in the West Ukraine. These people are from Orthodox rite, but they are submitted to Catholic Pope in Rome. They depend on the Pope. And the other the eastern part of Ukraine is still remain the state of pure orthodox. And you have this divide, this gap, just in the middle of Ukraine. So it's a very uh, thousand year history. We can see always today, until today, 
the importance of this topic, uh, even now in the uh, modern Ukraine. Uh, so just was, uh, I just mentioned that to remember how deep is this divide. Because after the collapse of the Greek uh, uh, Christianity, of the Eastern Christianity, uh, you know, the collapse of Constantinople, uh, police uh, with the Ottoman, with the Turks at the 15th century, the the heritage of the Orthodox Christianity and the heritage of the Byzantine Empire was transferred to Moscow because it was Moscow who take into account as a heritage all these religious and political. Uh, it was the follow-up, if I can see. And the hate between Catholic and Orthodox uh, was also transposed, transferred to the Russian after the collapse of the Byzantine. So we can see how the hate of the Eastern or the, or the Orthodox has migrated uh, during, uh, during centuries. So I think that's a fascinating little piece of information and perspective on history to add into this particular syllabus journal entry that we're doing here. And we can see that the, the age-old move towards destroying Democrat ideals, the, the, the ideals of democracy and the Republican structures of government that we have here in the West that support a, a, a massive, wealthy, prosperous underclass of people who are who have in a system of political freedom have worked themselves into a place of burgeoning strength and health and prosperity and you can see that this that these these lines of economic lines were drawn long ago in the religious struggles and the religious wars of the past so that the the orthodox church is being targeted and the orthodox followers those who participate in an Orthodox Christian church that is not submitted to the Pope of Rome have become now targets here in Ukraine. And it really, it's all part and parcel of this sudden inflection point we find ourselves in in history in 2022. And we can see that it's a continuation, once again, just as the gentleman was saying, that it's a continuation of this move for world conquest, this move towards destroying any vestige of the Orthodox Church that exists there in Ukraine. And you can see the same thing was happening under the Clinton administration in, in Kosovo and in the different Serbian wars that were happening there. It was, like once again, a reinforcement of the Croatian purges that happened under Ante Pavlik. And of course, Clinton would come in later and side with the Croatians and would join in this ethnic genocide against the Serbians. And that can be summed up, despite all the complexities surrounding all the United Nations Security Council involvement, it was the Albanian Muslims and the Catholic Croats against the Serbians who were ultimately, who had been the Yugoslavians, and they were ultimately Orthodox. So it was a, it was a full court press of controlling the the media with this kind of propaganda analysis and this idea of ethnic cleansing when it was really the fact that it was the the orthodox who are fighting for survival 
in an environment where it was the Catholics and Muslims who were basically wiping them out. And it, depend, it all depends, these kind of stories all depend on how you frame the history and how you frame the storylines and how you present and choreograph the subject matter so that you can have your audience to, to decide to support the, the individual or the party that you want to support. So if you want to support the Croats and the Albanian Muslims and destroying the Orthodox, then you, then you create the news propaganda to, to talk, talk about the plight of the poor uh, Albanians and the poor uh, Croats who are suffering at the hands of these, uh, you know, so, so there's all the, the complexity of history that's, that we're seeing there today. The same thing is happening as the Russians come in and they ultimately are backed by the Vatican and by Pope Francis and they're going to go in and, and rectify this thousand-year-old score and they're going to go in and, and take advantage of the situation to attack and destroy the Orthodox who are not submitted to the papacy. So that's that's the the underlying analysis of history. That's the buried headline that people are not going to discuss. You don't see being discussed in any kind of way. We're talking about the troop movements, about how many Ukrainian troops were killed, and how many Russian tanks were destroyed, but we're not talking about the history of the whole reason why they're there in the first place, why you have this kind of white people killing other white people who virtually all speak the same language. But in the background, you have two church groups fighting. You have the Roman Catholic authority of the Pope to dominate all the churches, and then you have the Orthodox priests and, and the Orthodox bishops there who are trying to remain independent from the, the Pope. And, and so that's, that's the underlying you know, story of the clash that's not being discussed. And we often spoke before about this connection with the World Economic Forum and the Young Global Leaders group that's been uh, operating there behind the scenes for a long time and its connections with President Putin in Russia and President Zelensky in Ukraine. So they're, on some level there there's a connection in their past to this group with the World Economic Forum. And there's the whole issue of the question of Klaus Schwab and his, his call for a great reset and this control mechanism between what would be termed the, the party of Davos that's influence using environmental regulation and, and social justice tactics to tamp down our ability to produce energy and, and create a crisis in our courts and in, in, in society itself and create a kind of a political or a, a societal schism between people who have different ethnic backgrounds in America and creating all these kind of fascist groups. I mean, you can see George Soros is tied in ultimately with the World Economic Forum and their, their backing of these Antifa groups. So there, there's a lot there, a lot we need to go into. But we really need to explore this individual um, that's, that's really just speaking so much about, because uh, they're obviously able to predict now, kind of scientifically, the financial default and the collapse of our currency. And so they're able to get ready to put into place this new economic order in the collapse of the global reserve currency. So as we talk about this, let's introduce this podcast, Truth Matters, and listen to a little bit of their discussion. I think this is going to be a very, very interesting one. So today we're going to cover this concept that's been going around quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of people on both sides of the political and social spectrum that have heard this term, the Great Reset. 
And we're going to dive into that a little bit today. I think we're going to try to educate people to separate fact from fiction and give a little bit of context on what we can glean from this that will help people prepare for what's coming, but also get an understanding of how these people are moving, what they believe, and why they're doing what they're doing. So as we dive into that, we're going to look at uh, what the World Economic Forum has to say about this, because this is kind of one of the organizations that is giving us an outline of what the Great Reset is. And they, they've given us a definition. I'll read it here for you. It says, the world is at a historic crossroads. As economies everywhere attempt to pull themselves out of a COVID-19-induced hiatus, the damage inflicted has been horrific in terms of lives taken and livelihoods lost. However, it presents an opportunity to rebuild in a more inclusive and responsible way. Coronavirus-related lockdowns provide a glimpse of what is possible in terms of limiting pollution and pandemics, human toil illustrated what can happen when healthcare systems and social safety nets are neglected. Now it's up to leaders in the private and public sectors to seize the moment and help create a more equitable, equitable and sustainable society. There's a lot of trigger words in here, guys, that I want to draw out because we're going to see this common thread as we go through more and more and, and pick out what, what these people are trying to shape. What, what do you guys hear when you hear this description from the World Economic Forum and, and some of these trigger words, such as uh, opportunity to rebuild a more inclusive society, uh, social safety nets and healthcare systems being neglected? Do these things start to stand out to you as, as, as interesting, given the context of what we know? Well, one thing that you find immediately is that common community which links into solidarity. Those are all the buzzwords that we hear in the world today. And uh, the divides that supposedly have divided humanity, they must disappear and we must all become part of one melting pot. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is pushing for a universal sort of inclusiveness, right? which on the surface doesn't seem to sound so bad, but I'd like to take us inside the World Economic Forum a little bit and listen to what the executive chairman, Klaus Schwab, has to say about this himself, because it'll start to give us an indication on how much of our lives will be impacted by this great reset. These are our direct quotes from Schwab himself. He says, to achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our society and economies. Now listen to what's covered in all aspects. Education to societal contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must, emphatically must participate. And every industry from oil and gas to tech, again the word must, be transformed. Now here's, here's the key. Here's how he closes this very encompassing statement out. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. It sounds like the thing that seems to be in the, in the crosshairs uh, for people like Klaus Schwab is capitalism being a, a central issue. Why do you think that seems to be the concept that's, that's in the crosshairs right now? Well, again, you have to look behind the scenes. 
because who could be driving or shaping his economic plan and his economic outlook? We know what the economic outlook is that emanates from the papacy because it has been made clear in one encyclical after the other, starting with Rerum Novarum and with the, the last encyclical from Pope Francis about fraternity. And what they are driving for and moving towards is a form of socialism which has uh, similarities with fascism where the state and the industry are in partnership for the sake of the community. And this model is obviously the papal model. Now you have to ask yourself, this Klaus Schwab, where does he come from? And why is he such an important voice in the world that we are living in? And you can ask yourself, where was he educated? He was educated at the University of Freiburg, which is a Jesuit-run university. So again, we have that connection that links them all together. And the agenda is exactly the same as that which is proposed by these powers. So you can see there that we have another fascinating piece of information. And of course, we're going to add all the links that we have just kind of run through. We'll make sure that we add them to the show notes in the podcast. So you can just check that out and see some of the discourse and see some of the sources of information. And we're, we're happy to provide that and just try to proliferate this, to proliferate this particular aspect of, of knowledge and the facets of history that are obviously not available. They're not, not being made available to people. They're not educated on the nature of the fight for freedom and the American Revolution and the Protestant, Baptist, really Puritan revolution and rebellion against the aristocracy and the tyranny of the kings and the nobility of Europe. And we're still in the same, our, our entire model, our entire thesis for existing is as an opponent and an enemy of the tyranny, the tyrannists, and the unaccountable nobility who ruled over us. So with such horrifying results that we saw throughout European history. So the, the Pope, the king would march the Huguenots down and have them burned at the stake at the behest of the, of the papacy and the Pope's men. And so that's, that's what we're, you're seeing here, that this entire constitution and this entire process of taking the lowest and the weakest among us and empowering them with a democratic, republican constitution so that we can have self-government in order to ensure that we're not ruled over by arbitrary liege lords and kings and so on, and popes. And then we have our conscience is free to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ and to have our Bibles and our, and our, and our weapons for self-defense. And it's all part of the articles of our entire government here. So in order for them to have supremacy, America's democratic Republican values have to cease to exist. So as we're going forward with these kind of, this kind of information, we're trying to do our best to make sure that we uh, keep this alive. We keep it alive in you. Keep this historical record awake. We need to go back and check my facts. 
and see that what we're talking about is, uh, is true. And we welcome you to join us.